listening to Beat Your Heart Out, presented by Moon Over the Trees Music and Theater Productions. Welcome to the Beat Your Heart Out podcast, presented by Moon Over the Trees Music and Theater Productions. I'm your host, Maureen Buscarino, and I am super excited to introduce you to stories and music from some of the most incredible musicians from the world of rock, blues, country, rockabilly, punk, and garage that I have had the pleasure of seeing perform. I love their music so much, and I think you will too. Today's guest is Detroit musician Eddie Branick. Some of you may know him from his band, The Sights. He's also played with Co and the Knockouts, The Come Ons, The Detroit Cobras, Scott Morgan, and others. Eddie is an accomplished musician and songwriter who has toured all over the US and Europe. He is also nominated for an Emmy in 2011 as songwriter for the theme of PBS's Under the Radar, Michigan and was also the Michigan Notable Book Award recipient in 2014 for Taken Alive, the site's rock and roll tour diary. It's all about their tour with Jack Black's band, Tenacious D. Eddie's latest band is The Scrappers. The song in the background is Feel Love off of their self-titled album. This is taken from The Scrappers About Page. The Scrappers are a rock and roll quartet from Detroit, sweetening their ragged but right roots with echoes of pedal steel from Laurel Canyon and harmonies that stick like the brotherly honey of the Everleys or the burritos. Hooks that beg, borrow, and steal. The Scrappers feature Eddie on vocals, guitar, and piano, plus Dave Lawson on vocals and bass, Ben Lookett on drums, and Pete Ballard on pedal steel. Enjoy this fun chat with Eddie. What got, got you into like putting your band together? Because you were in high school when you started, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, when I was in high school, I was a uh, junior year of high school, and Mark Leahy and I started the sites. And we were, um, you know, the kids next to us in the classroom were asking us, like, who are you taking to prom? And we were like, prom? Like, we're playing the magic stick in Detroit. Like, we're talking to 21-year-old girls. Um, We're not actually kissing them, but we were talking to 21-year-old girls. And that's all that mattered. Um, So that was, like, in 1998. And, you know, there was one other rock and roll teenager in Detroit, uh, Ben Blackwell. It goes way back to the, ni- the 90s. And so when we started out as the sites, we were kind of the freshmen of what I would call the senior class in the garage rock, Detroit garage scene kind of a thing, right? Mm. But that's such a poorly labeled term for a group of bands in Detroit that some of them sounded like garage rock and roll, but a lot of them, you know, maybe borrowed a little bit of from garage, but they were power pop. You know, there was a little more punk to some, some were a little more 70s glam, straight up rock and roll. And so it was this like insane mix and a kaleidoscope of colors and just sounds and stuff. And when you're an impressionable 17, 18, 19 year old, 
that really left its mark on me. And the way I guess I would best describe it is, is in Wizard of Oz, when it's black and white, you know, my world was black and white. And then it went, <laughs> it just like kind of like blew open to color. And it was just all of a sudden I was invited to the circus where all these like characters and performers, I mean, these larger than life people. And then it wasn't, you know, long after I played New York City opening for the zombies when I, I played wow. in the come ons. Yeah. And yeah, and I was like 19 and it's like I meet Roy Loney of the Flaming Groovies who told me to F off. And uh, <laughs> I told, I said, short front men give, I go, you give short front men a good name. And he looked me up and down and he goes, F off, man. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, Roy Loney just told me off. So like, you know, I mean, when you're really impressionable and young, I mean, it, it you can listen to records and stuff, but we were out there doing it and it, it really left a mark that's with me to this day. Hopefully a good mark, but <laughs> good yeah, star, yeah, I guess I would say. So you, you're, you were a freshman in high school and then you were just like picking up the guitar and you're like, hey, let's start a band. <laughs> Is that like uh, actually, yeah, or... I, I, I came to my Catholic private all boys high school. <laughs> With with the premise, like I needed to find a bass player because I was so I wanted to I was into Oasis, but I liked Minor Threat, <laughs> and I liked like Motown, right? So I had this like messy mix of influences, and then when I started listening to the Jam and Paul Weller, ninth, tenth grade, and the Small Faces, that really started to kind of mix with the '60s Motown and soul stuff I was getting into, and then then I could really kind of I had an angle. And so when I met Mark Leahy, the first sites bass player who played on the first couple of records, he and I were thick as thieves together. He was standing in line getting, I swear to God, this happened. We were freshmen getting our photos taken. And I was like, hey, man, I heard you, uh, I heard you have a bass. And he was like, yeah, man. And uh, <laughs> that was it. We just started like hanging out and I listened to Oasis and he liked Primus and that was terrible. But <laughs> You know, after a few years, we, we realized we had to start writing songs and we started writing songs. And of course, they were terrible. But once we were like, you know, juniors is what I say, you know, we, we, we figured out how to write a little bit, you know, a little. Mm. And, uh, and then we played the Garden Bowl, Co, our friend Co from the Dirt Bombs. And I played with her and Co in the Knockouts. Co uh, asked us to play the Garden Bowl. And uh, we played with the Henchmen and the Greenhorns. And it was oh. the day before senior year, wow. August of 98. And so, I mean, to do that, and then you go start your senior year. I mean, the senior year at that, I was like, who cares? Senior year. I'm like, I just, I just saw the greenhorns and like Johnny Hench played Farfiz. You can play like bass with your left hand. I mean, that blew my mind, you know? So um, that was sort of our early education and influences. Um, Maybe not so much in terms of songwriting, but in terms of the band and uh, aesthetic and style so that when we first started touring and playing out in New York and L.A. and stuff, you know, people would recognize a couple of years in, they're like, man, you guys really are Detroit. Like, you aren't some kind of, um, you know, put together by a record label pop band. You guys have this little, it's such a cliche to say this stuff, but it's like, you know, you're such a little, you're a little harder edge or a little rougher. It's a little more... Heart, not heartfelt, but I don't know if that makes sense, but we could definitely see it. And the joke we used to always make is you could always tell the bands that were from New York and LA, but wanted to be from Detroit because they would have their black leather jacket with their MC5 button. <laughs> and it's just like, it just seems so like, uh, 
manufactured. <laughs> but, any, but anyway, back to me. <laughs> but but you know, I mean, you know, so then we started touring and then we broadened our it broadened our horizons and we started playing with other bands and other like-minded bands, right? And then you play South by Southwest, you hmm. see this whole other world, and the worlds keep opening up. Then we played Europe and then you know, and we were fortunate enough to tour with the Dirt Bombs, and we played out of town with the Cobras, the Greenhorns. I mean, all these the Datsuns, and yeah. you know, bands that that you know, they you know they were always older than us, right? But they, uh, you know, they left their mark on us. So I'm grateful. <laughs> yeah, but you always like attract like really talented people to like play with you, sing with you, and and all like. Yeah, I, you know, Jared, I remember Jared Champion, uh, the Last Sight's uh, keyboard player, you know. And I remember he gave me his business card when I met him, and I was so nervous to call him that I, I put the business card on my piano, and I would just walk by it for two months. I mean, why didn't I just call the guy? He's like my good friend, you know. <laughs> but I would, I'm still intimidated by people all the time, you know. Um, wow. But anyway, to be... Uh, it's, I've been fortunate and lucky to have the people behind me who play, you know, again, Detroit, I got to give it up for Detroit has a rich, you know, there's, there's so many great players. Um, I guess I would say people who listen and they just don't want to shove all their, you know how it is. Like they don't, you stop shoving yeah. your notes in, in, into it, you know, like, right. Right. Space, you know, I, I, that's what, you know, the scrappers were very good at uh, carving space, creating space. Definitely. And maybe, yeah, and maybe that comes with age. I think that comes with age. Um, you can hear in the early recordings just trying to shove everything in. <laughs> you know, like the first record, oh my God. But, uh, you know, nowadays, it's, it's for me, it's, at least it's more about space, mm. you know. So. Yeah. No, I definitely hear that with like, I, I, I love your lineup with the scrappers too, with the, you know, the pedal steel. Yeah, I think, you know, he and I, we have a great weaving uh, relationship with me on guitar and Pete on steel. Mm. He doesn't play like, we don't write and he doesn't play like a traditional uh, pedal steel where he is the lead instrument and I on guitar play the rhythm. You know, we try mm. to do the ancient art of weaving a la Keith and Ronnie Wood. And, you know, sometimes we do it or sometimes he treats it like an organ, you know, mm. so his steel is kind of like a Strawberry Fields uh, Mellotron tone right. or, you know, so he can add that kind of murky texture underneath kind of a swimmy, milky murkiness. So I love that, too, about Pete. Pete's very much um, he knows his country licks and his sixes and his ninths <laughs> and all that, but he's totally cool and open to And as a band, we like to experiment too, right? You know how that is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you just played on a King Con record. Where I know. 
I just <laughs> listened to some of it. I'm like, talk about experimentation, eh? <laughs> totally. It, 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 that was like, that was just so cool. He's like, I just want to do this project. And the one of the tunes that I, I did, the Hard Rain's Gonna Fall, um, or Gotta Fall, was like, I did some harp to a different song. And he was like, that's not exactly what I was doing. And then I took what I did on that song and then I started doing like percussion stuff. And then I put rain sounds in the background and I sent it to him and he's like, Oh, that's cool. That could be another song. And then he worked on that. <laughs> and then he had yeah. you know, Martin Weck from Calexico work on it. And like, wow. I'm like, I'm an album with Calexico. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's just like, it's like, it just, it's, it's so great. Like it's the beauty of music, right? It's whatever the cliche that there's only 12 notes, but it's just like a snowball thing or somebody hears something and the collaboration, the community yeah, bounces yeah. off itself. I, I like that you can find musicians that can get over their egos to kind of like listen to what you're trying to do. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Play to the song and don't, don't just play. So, you know, like don't play something that, um, your that excites you as the player you have to play for the listener and what do they want to hear and what does the song need so you know that again you know that's always a work in progress with some people but i've been i've been lucky <laughs> yeah totally um i'm so, like you were you were talking about um um Jar jared right on on bass like, jared yeah yeah and it made me think of um garth hudson with the band like when he he was like all right fine i'll i'll join the band but you gotta like pay me to be your oh like, right yeah music. to be the music teacher yeah <laughs> right um you know like the caveat you know like i'm trying to think uh you know like when bobby emmett joined the band um i you know he played left hand piano bass and right hand uh hammond organ hmm. And I remember um, uh, the sites, we went on tour with the Greenhorns and I was like, okay, um, we had Fred Thomas on bass. He filled in from Saturday Looks Good to Me. And I was like, okay, when we come back from this tour, like you'll, you'll play organ, right? And I'm like, we'll have to find a bass player. And he's like, oh no, it's cool. Like um, if I join, I'll just play left-hand bass. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what? Okay. And like, you know, I remember like writing a part in circus and like, okay, this part's in 3-4 on your right hand and 4-4 four, four on your left hand. And that kind of stuff blows my mind. <laughs> like, dude, how does your brain, how do you guys do that stuff, you know? Um, but that was his caveat, I think, to join the band. He's like, we don't need a fourth member. I'll just play bass. My left hand is our bass player. Yeah. Like, okay, sounds good. <laughs> yeah. But Rock and Roll Circus, that was like, I mean, that got in a bunch of commercials too, didn't it? I mean... It, it did all right. Um, yeah. I, you know, it, uh, I think, you know, in that, in that period, I remember people would come up to me and they're like, I just heard your song at Urban Outfitters. And you're like, oh, that's cool. I'm still waiting on the check for that. But uh, <laughs> it would show up in weird spots. Um, it was it that song or another song. It's in like America's Funniest Home Videos. And you're like, weird. you know, you don't know that, right? Because yeah. somebody licensed it. And then your friend calls you and goes, dude, I just want your friend from in Ohio just goes, dude, I just watched the scene where the animals are stealing stuff and your song just got robbed, got played behind. I'm like, Oh, cool, man. And then <laughs> six months later, your, uh, your lighting bill gets paid. So it's not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the bands that you're saying, I definitely can hear that in your music from Motown to soul and, and garage and punk and everything too. So but I, I I really love your songwriting because I think, I don't know, you, you bring that kind of genuine heart 
to what you're doing. Like, like you were saying, it's not pretentious. It's just like, just you and you know, just the way that you see the world, like your scrappers on the one that you, um, it's like really cute video that Nicole's in. Um, yeah, feel, feel love. The beautiful song. And it's got this like great kind of lift in the middle of it that, you know, it kind of builds and it, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I, it's just a really, I, I just enjoy your writing. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I wish I was more articulate about it right now. But, but it's yeah. like, you know, like how you, um, thank you. It's, uh, I appreciate that. It's, um, it's like, you know, when you're done uh, creating something and, and you get, and you're happy because you got to the finish line. But then there's also like that value assessment where you go, oh, I don't like it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you'll get done finishing writing a song and then you're like, oh, it turns out that's, that's, I don't like the song. Or, but then in other cases, you'll get done and that's a victory, right? And then you'll go, oh, I do like this. And then, and then there's another test. Like then you'll take that song on the road for three or five years and then you go, I'm not sick of this thing yet. <laughs> and then <laughs> different lineups will form or you'll, the song mutates and takes its own life over the course of years. And then, and then you appreciate the song in another way, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, um, but with Feel Love, I, I remember um, feeling obviously love for my wife but uh it's a true story about you know how she and I the first night we met and uh just kind of how we fell in love and mm. uh so when they came up with the video idea and they're like and Nicole your wife will be in the video I'm like oh of course like it's kind of a nice uh neat little thing you know and our, our five-year-old son has watched the video and I Aww. I mean he thinks it's funny <laughs> 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 Because it is, I guess, like your mom and dad are in a video together and a song about, you know, it's just kind of, I don't know, I don't know what he really thinks or will think. But um, in terms of songwriting, it was, you know, a conscious effort to write something positive because I know I've been guilty of coming up with some real bummers. <laughs> so, you know, the melody might be uplifting and happy, but um, if you actually looked at the lyrics on a page, you're just like, man, what's 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 wrong with this guy man like this guy needs a hug dude so so I, I and I think it comes with you get a little older and I think you you know I, I become more comfortable living in my own skin and so I you know I do become more settled and happier and so the songwriting is a maybe a reflection of where I am at you know so each record's a reflection of where you are in your life right so
have these weird live journals called sites albums. (laughs) 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 You can plot my emotional uh, (laughs) descent or ascent. (laughs) Oh, speaking of journals, like the one that you wrote about your tour that you did with uh, Tenacious D, um, that was, you know, I I realized that it won an award too. Um, Uh, You know, I am a... uh, uh, Michigan Notable Book Award in the state of Michigan, and uh, it won an award. So the book, uh, Taken Alive, yeah, it won an award in uh, Michigan, and uh, what that did was it allowed me to play libraries across the state of Michigan. So they, they make you go and you, perf- you have to talk about your book, but I got to perform and talk about my book. And it cool. was, I would want, yeah, I wound up in some fun libraries where uh, I look at the audience and I just size them up and I looked at them and I go, I bet you people have better stories than what I'm about to tell you. And the one guy just <laughs> raised his hand and he goes, my cousin dated Jackie Wilson. And I'm like, that's a great story. And then, then the lady, old lady next to him just raised her and she goes, one time my sister got hit by a car by one of the guys in The Temptations. And I'm like, this is, this is awesome. Like, who needs to hear my story? Like, I want to hear you. I'm going to throw it back to you guys. But, you know, like, right, right. Writing those uh, journals, I wrote for an alternative weekly here in Detroit called the Metro Times. And they asked me, can you write this online? You know, we'll publish them in our paper, but can you write this online journal, like a tour diary? So Hmm. I'm like, oh my God, this is what a drag. I got to like do this thing like school and I'm trying to tour, you know? And uh, after like the second or third one, I got hooked and I was addicted to it. So Shades, our tour manager, Shades and I would We'd scope out potential locations to shoot the next uh, photos. And I mean, it, we got so into it. I'm like, we woke up in Arizona one morning. And I don't know what they call them, but those empty like valleys that look like a freeway out west hmm. where, there's, where there's nothing there. It's not really a freeway or whatever. It's like a waterway maybe. And it's like, oh my God. I'm like, we have to shoot a scene where I got fat on the road and like ate too much junk food because you do, you know? <laughs> And I was like, we're going to shoot a scene where I'm going to, I'm running across this long giant. And we did. And it's in the, you can see it online. It's in the book and I'm lifting a giant rock. And I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> you just asked a simple question and wanted to move on. I'm no, going to rock. I lifted up. Cool. You lifted a rock, dude. Wow. Um, awesome. <laughs> like the kind of things that they used to do, like the drag racing, like in those fifties movies, like those kind pro- of yeah. Pro- you see them in like dystopian TV shows. Now there's always like that thing and the zombies yeah. are walking down the street or something. That's going to so. be it. <laughs> But anyway, dystopian novel. You mean like today? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right now, <laughs> right, right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I I really really enjoyed the book. Um, so and I saw I was looking up on Amazon to try to find a link because it's out of print. So now someone's like selling one for like five hundred dollars or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And if you're listening today, write me. You can find me. Um, I I have a few in my closet. I'll <laughs> sign it and dust it off and write a little love note to your grandma for you, and I'll send it to you. Whoever's listening. <laughs> awesome. I will. I will put that link in the in the show notes. I definitely will. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um so I mean, do you have like highlights of when you were playing with like with Co and the knockouts or the come ons or. Yeah. Um, let's see. I, I was asked to join the come ons on guitar and I turned out to be their organ player. 
Um, and I don't really know how to play keys. So that was really fun. (laughs) (laughs) So again, like I I was saying earlier, my first time in New York, I was 19 and I was with the come ons and we, you know, we played a, a John Weiss cave stomp thing and it was Roy Loney and the zombies. And I got to meet all the zombies, all five. That's awesome. And I bought, I was 19 years old and I bought Chris White of the zombies who wrote, this will be our year. I bought Chris White and his wife, a Budweiser at age 19. And I said, this is for writing. This will be our year, man. And he, (laughs) he and his wife were so nice. Like, you know, they were just sitting there. They weren't playing in the zombies show that night. And, and so that was a beautiful moment. And so, you know, hanging with the come ons was great. I can still remember being in the van with them and we were dry. Jim Diamond, the producer was, he hitched a ride to see the zombies with us from Detroit to New York and back. And I remember the, the come ons in the van, they could, we only listened to like ESG and like Serge Gainsbourg and, you know, like really, really, really nice, nice, good soul and pop music. And I remember they, Jim Diamond had his headphones on it and they go, what are you listening to Jim? And he goes, Jefferson airplane. And they were like, Oh my God, that hippie crap. And I remember like these two worlds. And in my head, I was like, I thought we all like the SG and Jefferson airplane. <laughs> Why can't we all get along? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like 19. Wait a minute, guys. And so that, that, that was, anyway, that was a good memory. And then with, you know, Co and the knockouts was a lot of fun to play in a band with, you know, Co, um, who's been my friend and kind of like my older sister, you know? And, uh, we, you know, we had a lot of fun writing together. I think, you know, that was one of my early songwriting partners was Co. And I don't know if she had done much writing before that. And I was going to college at Wayne State University in downtown, you know, in Detroit. And she lived kind of like just off campus. So I would, um, like Tuesdays and Thursdays after class, I would like go to her house. I remember to like see if she was home. I remember like using a payphone, and I would call her. I'm like, are you there? And she's like, yeah, I'm coming over. And at like 1.30 in the afternoon, we, I remember we like wrote a song that's on the Cohen the Knockouts album, like Go Getter. And then I remember like Thursday, she's like, I got more words. And then we wrote like Wasted All Those Tears. And then like the next week, we, so we wrote like half of that album, I remember, in like th- a three-week span while I was in college. And it was just kind of like, you know, again, everything was moving so fast. I was like 19, 20. It's like, you're young. You're just like, what's going on right now? And and pretty soon you have an album, you're, you know, and then the sites thing kind of took off the co thing. I, I had to leave the band cause the sites thing was, I was touring so much and, you know, but co and I are still friends. I mean, we talk all the time. We talked on the phone like three days ago. So, oh, thanks. you know, and then she went on to fame and fortune and the dirt bombs and uh, yeah. with her show on the underground garage. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, That's, yeah. She's got a cool show too. I, I miss uh, seeing the dirt bombs too. They were, they're so much yeah. fun. Yeah. Oh my, it, my, probably my favorite tour was we did uh, six weeks with the Dirt Bombs around the U.S. So hmm. you get to tour with your friends and they're the headlining band. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I, 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 unbelievable. I watched their show every night. It's the only band I toured with where I watched every night of their show. You know? Oh, they're so much fun. Yeah. So much fun. One day we'll get back to seeing them live. <laughs> How are you doing with that? I mean, that's got to be kind of torture to not be able to play out. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, I try to, um, I try to tell myself, let's use this opportunity and, uh, adapt and use it and turn it into a positive. So I've been getting better with home recording, got me one of them little interfaces and, uh, got me a micro, no, I don't have any good mics, but, uh, 
I figured out how to record on my own at home. <laughs> and so that's kind of been a learning experience and something I've wanted to do. <laughs> awesome. And, uh, you know, the playing live part, sh- sure, I, I, I miss playing live, right? No, oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, well, yeah, yeah, I miss playing live. But, you know, I really, you know, here's what I really miss. I really miss having people in a room and rehearsing. Mm. I miss just being in a room with others and making a racket. Um, so that's been kind of tough. But my five, our five-year-old son, he plays drums and Nicole plays bass and sings. So yeah, yeah. We, we don't have too many family jams, but we're looking to, uh, we'll have some family pajama jam jams pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> we have the, the French method with Nicole, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I play keys. She plays bass. We have a sax and a drummer, like a jazz lineup. And she, they're her songs. And, that's cool. you know, we make some noise. Yeah. Noise. So, but yeah, I mean, how do you, you know, how how much live stuff are you out and about, you, you know? Yeah, well, nothing. I mean, we can't see anything. Everything's canceled yeah. by us. I mean. Yeah, no, in no. Detroit, we're still shut down. There's one bar nearby that has music, so. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think, like, some places are doing stuff outside, but we haven't been really, like, kind of, like, stay over there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah dance space is my dance space just like so right, so right. yeah all the theaters like broadway is still closed um right. and also so it's kind of crazy here you you were talking about the the sites you have like a lot of stuff that you like posters and demos and stuff that you're gonna unearth yeah so the sites archives <laughs> <laughs> which is a collection of reel-to-reel tape cassette tape cds blah 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 posters, handbills, you name it, right? Um, you know, you you tour for like five years straight and you just, people would record your show and then you throw that disc in a box. Mm. And then I would just forget about that box, box. So now I'm slowly sifting through these tapes and these CDs and these handbills and these posters and just getting a handle on all that stuff. Mm. And I've reached out to a, a lot of the former members and, you know, there, there's so many years have passed. The band started in 98. And it's just like, hey, man, does anybody want this stuff? And it's so heartwarming. I always think, nah, they don't want that. That was just some <laughs> band they were in. They're like, yeah, man, I totally want that. Was that the show? And now they're all, like, nostalgic and uh, messaging me. Like, hey, remember in June of 03? You know? yeah. And so that, that actually um, made me really feel good. Um, yeah. I mean, not, you know, I used to have a lot of my self-worth. Uh, wrapped up in my band as I think a lot of people do and so when the band goes down you go down right so I've learned to separate that and you mature and you grow older and uh, so anyway I've been going through the archives and kind of reliving these uh, crazy memories and uh, it's it's been awesome to listen to rehearsal tapes and live shows and just wow it's you know I I I can still remember it all so I kind of want to catalog and track it and archive it while I can still recall it yeah are you planning on like releasing any of it um I trickle some you know images and flyers out on Facebook on the site's Facebook and I will be doing more of that um I just think there's some other voices that need to be heard right now <laughs> yeah but, I mean not um, do like a live album of like um maybe, maybe i might do like a um you know like we did 12 in the bar which is like rarities outtakes from the vaults and i might do them from the vaults part two because I'm, I'm finding some real cool gems and nice. so yeah so we'll see yeah so i mean do you miss the sites at all or you it was time for that's you a, to move on <laughs> i mean i i don't i mean i don't know if that's it's a great but, question um that is a great question i i would ask myself a lot the band kind of petered out 2013 ish 
Hmm. I think one of our last shows actually was booked by John Weiss um, in New York. At, okay. um, was it Don Pedro's? Is that what it was called? Oh, okay. Like yeah. Don Pe- venue? Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. That was one of our last shows. Wow. Um, and then we became a backing band for uh, Scott Morgan of the Rationals and Sonic's Rendezvous Band. But anyway, um, do I miss the band? Yeah, I miss the band. I miss elements of the band. Um, but I, I don't miss having to, is it carry, uh, have the albatross hanging? You know, you had to play certain songs. You had to kind of, I don't know, like I, the band was kind of modeled on a, I'm going to do whatever I want. That mm. was sort of the ethos was like, there is no ethos. Like, I don't want to box this in, um, which is why sometimes the sounds would take so many turns within even a song, let mm. alone an album. But yeah, I miss the band. I miss um, playing with, you know, most of the members of the band or certain lineups and, it, you know. It was a, uh, I don't know, it was fun. Yeah, <laughs> no, I love seeing Great it. way to spend your 20s and 30s, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love the Scrapper stuff, too. I'm really loving that. Like, yeah, thank you. In, in a way, you know, you know, in a way, like, Dave from the Scrappers was a sites-based player and songwriter and contributor, and Pete Ballard on Pedal Seal played on sites records and played mm-hmm. live with us, too. So, you know, it's keeping it in the family, but we're definitely going for a... Uh, burritos big star mm. but you know not yeah i can totally, definitely hear that yeah but yeah. not a paint by numbers like country or power pop thing just kind of our own little thing so yeah no it definitely has like a um alex chiltony kind of sound to some yeah. of the songs which is nice yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> guitar do you do you have a favorite guitar that you love Playing? I mean, I, yeah, I love my hollow body, my 65, 330, my Gibson. That's my yeah. baby. It goes with me everywhere. <laughs> it yeah. goes on every recording. It's very much an attached uh, part of me. Very, I'm Steve Marriott influenced, Paul Weller, the Beatles, you know, mm-hmm. that's, you know. And, and when you pick it up, is there like a tune that you're, you automatically go to, to or? No, but it, it's, it's just, um, again, it's the it's small man big bodied guitar <laughs> it's just like it feels like me more than any other um guitar i've ever owned you know so right. it's, it's it's i don't i don't gravitate toward anything when i play it maybe a d chord <laughs> hey, not an f chord <laughs> like, no. definitely not an f chord <laughs> boom uh so yeah, Eddie, yeah. thank you so much for being here and, ta- and talking with me today i really appreciate it we all miss you here in new york and Totally hope to see you soon, but I know you're going to be creating um, like so much great music and, you know, thanks for all your positive vibes and all too. So yeah. Thank you for having me, uh, Maureen. It's, it'd be nice to see you again in person and it's nice to hear you're still creating and doing musical stuff as well. So hopefully, hopefully we will reconnect soon in person. I hope so. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beat Your Heart Out, presented by Moon Over the Trees Music and Theater Productions. Dive into the show notes at moonoverthetrees.com. And if you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend, subscribe to the podcast. I'd love it if you could share Beat Your Heart Out with your friends and family and write a review. And again, for the first 20 people who write a review on iTunes, I'll give you a shout out on an episode and we'll send you some fun merch from Moon Over the Trees. Make sure to email me at info at moonoverthetrees.com and include your iTunes name. 
And I am Maureen Buscarino. And I uh, hope you have a, a great rest of your week. <laughs> <laughs>